Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 221. I am Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinitsky. Hello, sir. Hey there. How are you doing? Good. Hello, listener. Hello, listener and viewer. And viewer, yes. <laughs> I just realized I didn't put the thing in the other topic, so sorry. Oh, no, that's right. <laughs> um, that's your list that we'll be doing next time? Uh, correct. Yes, yes I, so I wasn't ne- sure if you wanted to, to inform ne- next people. Next week we will be doing a tier list. And it, it's a bi- it's a big one. Yeah, it's gonna be, our tier lists are always... Big fun things. So I love doing tier lists. Probably going to be a full episode, just judging by the the looks of it. So I like doing tier lists because they're super fun. But like, there's a lot of premeditation that we have to do. We just did not have time to get ready for this episode. Yep. So one reason or another, that's where we're at. So, so anyway, hey, why don't you tell people about Patreon? I will be glad to do that after I talk to you about my beer. I have a Bauhaus Wonder stuff, and it's wonderful. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you can say it's. Wonderful stuff. It's the stuff of wonder, really. <laughs> I am drinking an Summit Dakota Soul Craft the, Lager. The token Summit that I actually like. I like a couple I go of Summit out of beers. my way to buy that, and only that is from Summit, because nothing else I make is good at all. Everything else I make is rubbish. Well, that's just like your opinion, man. No, all their other beers taste like a fart. This kind of tastes like fart, too. A lot of beers taste like farts. Yeah, but some of it, like, they're really good. I think that they just take all of their beers, and before they put them in a truck, they just sim in front of a window for, like, a, a month. This beer's taste works really well with the blueberry muffin smell that's coming in from General Mills. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty, pretty happy about that. It, it smells, smells pretty amazing. amazing. It does smell like blue bo- blueberries blue here. Blue bobs? Blue bobs here. <laughs> smells like blue bobs. Anyway, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage on this custom website. You will find two open-ended levels of support for content consumers like you to support content producers like us. If you join even at the basic $1.50 a month level, you get to buy us a beer, feel good about yourself, join our sweet Discord, get a fancy koozie, and just be in our general good graces. So patreon.com forward slash carpetrage. Head on over. Otherwise, we'll just right, keep on making the episodes. So, but when we were off air, I began telling you about oh, this, like, communication failure I had yes. with Jana. So Over the Buick. Yeah. So when I was driving the Buick home, um, everything they say about four-wheel drum brakes being terrible is just as true. Like, you don't understand. How, it's like using your parking brake to slow down. Instead of your actual brakes. That sounds very unpleasant. Yeah, like, so, like, you know, like, have you ever driven a car where, like, there's a hydro- brake hydraulic failure and you have to use the handbrake? I've used the handbrake for fun, but I've never had hydraulic failure, because so, like, I have cars with dual circuit masters and discs. Like, like a hydraulic failure mm-hmm. being, like, the reservoir has, like, a catastrophic leak, and now all of your circuits are shot. I've had pedals go to the floor, but, again, there's always the second circuit yeah, in so, this case, so I always have the rear brakes. Yeah, so this is one where... Like, it, it feels like using just the, the handbrake. And so, yeah, I was driving the Buick home, and <laughs> Jana was, like, ahead of me in her van, and I'm, like, giving her a lot of extra space, and she's going, like, 45 miles an hour in a 60. I'm like, Jana, hurry the fuck up. Hurry <laughs> like, up, honey. <laughs> I don't want to be driving, putting along at 45. And her, she's like, I thought you, the car could only go that fast. I thought there was something wrong with it. I'm like, no, I have four-wheel drums. Like, I'm keeping I need, my space so I don't I hit need, you. Like, when they say that you should follow a car with three seconds of time between. That's where that came from. If that is entirely <laughs> required. Like, it's not like a, you should. And so, like, I, like, near, nearly killed myself to get her to speed up to 50 because I had to, like, start tailgating her. And I'm like, I really hope you don't stop for anything. And you have a tendency to just step on your brakes. Oh, if no. you do that, oh, no. I'm going to be in your freaking front seat if you do that. Because this car is not going to quit. And a car weighs a lot. It weighs more than your van. Like, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's just like I'm just sitting Whoa. there, like what? It was like somebody with a Dodge Dart behind me, like a newer Dart. It was like she's really pissed off that I was going 45. I'm like, I don't want to go 45. Jan doesn't want to go 45, but she thinks I want to go 45, and nobody wants to go 45 miles an hour ever. So, if fun top tip, if you are ever bringing home a car with four wheel drum brakes, and the person behind you that looks like they're not keeping up, they are. They're just not trying to kill you. Mm. And so, yeah, I had to get Jana to speed up. Also, so, because I had to start following Jana closer to, like, get her to, like, go 55 miles an hour, we finally came to a stop sign. I had to, like, swerve and serpentine and end up going around her to stop in time. Because I was, like, maybe two car lengths behind her, and her van, like, stopped. 
and well, mine, as modern vehicles yeah, did. as a modern vehicle did <laughs> and like mine's like no i'm in 1960s stop <laughs> however they did work the nice thing about four-wheel drums is regardless of the amount of weight you're carrying in the vehicle they will have the exact same stopping distance Mm. So it's like the going speed of the 240D when it was diesel. It didn't matter what you had in the car. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, yeah, it, it's like a very torquey vehicle Like it, that has no horsepower. I mean, that's what a drum brake is. That's why they put drum brakes on like semi-trucks for the longest time, is mm-hmm. that the drum brake, because it can absorb so much more heat. It's than, a much bigger swept area. Yeah, it's a much bigger swept area. The pad itself can actually absorb more heat before it overheats. So... Um, or the, the shoe. Sorry. The shoe, I should say. Yeah, same thing. The <laughs> yeah, shoe versus the pad. friction material. Yeah, the, the the braking material can absorb more heat per square inch. You said that car is a dual circuit master cylinder, though, right? I don't know. I think it's single. Okay. Well, how many pipes come out of the master? I haven't looked. Okay. I've been too busy looking at other things that say, are more immediately apparent. Because the thing is, I don't have to worry about the brakes until. I have the car running to use the brakes. I see. Okay, yeah. you so, are you're going down the list of things. Yeah, I'm, 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 the brakes are towards the bottom. Yeah, okay. there is they, cooling they are system. Currently there is cooling system. There is radio, and then there's brakes because they work at they, the moment. Apparently. Actually, I know for a fact they work because they were serviced in 2015. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, that's why I bought the car because hmm. the guy like the previous previous owner completely rebuilt the brake system. Good, like entirely because they were daily driving this. That sounds like. They might not have adjusted the drums. No, they, it sounds like the drums were working just fine. Ah. Because I've driven... It's not my first rodeo with four-wheel drums. Like, that's what they do. And that's why I knew to not tailgate ah. Jana. I, was, I see. Yeah. It's just like she had never driven one that was like that. Because, no... Like, I, I like partying. I love four-wheel drums. Like, I've driven four-wheel drums on, like, Volkswagen Type 2s and stuff. Like, it's a party. It's great. I just don't know if I agree with... I mean, yes, it's a party. It is a party. It doesn't sound enjoyable to me. Ah, listen to that GT350. No, that was actually a Nova. What? Oh, it wasn't the same car that went down. No, that was a Nova. That makes more sense. It didn't sound very good. um, (laughs) No, I like to party. It'll... You know, we all die of something. That is true. And sometimes it's sudden and immediate deceleration. And I bet that car's cheaper to insure than a modern car. It's so cheap, and Jana's paying for the insurance. And it doesn't make any sense, because you are statistically so much more likely to crash that thing. <laughs> to die. Well, I think the thing is, like, if you're going to crash, you're going to die. So they're like, we well, can't have insurance bad if you're dead. That, so. That's a fair point. I mean, morbid, but accurate. I wonder if that... There's the GT350. I need to ask Taylor Finger mm-hmm. if his vol- what his insurance is in his Volvo. On the Amazon? Yeah, on the Amazon, because that'd probably be similar like as far as the value of the vehicle but he's much more likely statistically to survive a car accident than i would be why because the volvo amazon is oh, a okay. relatively right. safe vehicle compared to this buick with like four-wheel drums and lap belts i understand it was presented got, in a strange way he's got front discs and three points even belts. my 1600 which i guess is a whopping six years newer than the buq it was a 68 67 yes it was six years newer I love my Buick. It's so awesome. Buick. It's so old. I I would throw discs on it, but I mean that's no, no, yeah. I'm not making it something it's not. Fine. <laughs> okay. Also, also, when you look at them, like you you have to like look at these these drums and go, I want to get rid of these. Like you have to like. I'm guessing they're quite small. No, they're huge. They're massive, 15 inch drums. Like I got 15 inch wheels on my car, and the drums there's that much space between the wheel and the drum. Oh. And it is there solely for the fins. Actually, look up um, 1960, yeah, 1961 Buick drum brake. And you might be able to see what these drums look like. They're, like, really, like, the entire face of them is finned, and they're really pretty. Okay. Yeah, see what I mean? Oh, well, that's probably this one here. Yeah, that's the one I got. Oh, yeah, Hot Rod. <laughs> you, t- you, you look at that drum brake, and you tell me you want to get rid of it. I do want to get rid so of it, and I want to put this on it. This is, I don't want that. Oh, so much that better. That looks bad. Mm, looks so good. Uh-huh. And I bet this is cheap, too. Some six forty nine for you, a disc you conversion. Are, That's so gonna, offensively cheap. You're going to put that on, and some guy's going to tell you about how much he loves Metallica, and you're going to have to have a conversation with him. No, I would, I would walk away like I do normally. And he'll follow you. No, I don't care. Because that's what Metallica people do. Uh, and he'll be like following you behind, and you'll be like not paying attention. He'll see you behind you like... Give me fuel, give me fire, give me, give me, give me, give me. It's awful, awful Metallica people. 
It's just the worst. You don't want to be around people like that. I don't. So, yeah. And when you have drum breaks, even if you are around people like that, you can just kill yourself and you're done. <laughs> These are expensive. Yeah, they're really expensive. I really don't ever Use want to warp those. 45 fin. Apparently, that's a count thing. Yeah. They're 100 bucks minimum for that. Mm-hmm. I really I do not want to warp these brakes ever. Oh, you should be fine. Yeah, I don't think I will, but I really don't want to. <laughs> be very careful with my drums. Is it a manual uh, brake system? Can you at least put a power booster no, on it's, it? No, it's power brakes. It does have, oh my god. Yeah, it's got power brakes. Can you imagine breaks. what that would be like manual then? Yeah, I did actually, because after the car died, I had to stop it when it died. Oh. So what you do is you put both your feet on it. I'm not exaggerating when you say you stand on it. You put your hands behind the steering wheel. extra force. And you pull up (laughs) on your steering wheel to push your feet further on the brakes. So the Bowflex inventor drove a Buick. Yeah, he drove a Buick. Okay. Because, yeah, when the car died, stop sign after, like, the car was, like, coasting down. And then, like, because I had to, like... I like jamming the brakes so hard I couldn't put my foot in the throttle to keep it running because like it was, a, it was a very oh shit situation because I was about to end up in the back of Jana's van. <laughs> do, 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 do. So like I hit, the car died. I just let it die. I'm like whatever. I'll deal with that later because my more immediate issue is the vehicle in front of me. And so I had to go like put my hands on the steering wheel. That's probably why it's a two spoke steering wheel because that's had the extra strength for when you do this. Um, and you just pull up and you push as hard as you can. And I had to, like, while doing that, go like this. <laughs> you're, you're ruddering the car. Yeah, I'm ruddering the car to go around Jana. And it was like, when I say, like, I had to go around her, the car, like, I passed her, and the car stopped in the middle of the intersection. Because it was like, I had, like, it took her that long to stop the vehicle. Yikes. Like, I wouldn't change it for you. You got that torquey V8 you know, running through that power glide constantly, too, to yeah. add insult to injury with the braking. I bet if you shifted it into neutral, you'd caught like 25 feet of braking distance. <laughs> Probably, actually. <laughs> well, what I, I did shift it into low gear so it engine brake a little. Oh, okay. So, but <laughs> I still have to imagine neutral would be. Because, I mean, the, the engine is pushing against the brakes constantly when it's, it's running. A, it's a really good point. I didn't think about that. Also... Even my 190 in the winter when I had garbage tires on it, I had to put it in neutral. Otherwise, the fronts would just lock up, and the, the engine would just keep idling me along. I'm like, no, 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 no. See, no. Mm-mm. Bad. But, yeah, I mean, a big old V8 and four tiny drums. Not just any V8. Nailhead V8, which is, like, known for being particularly torquey. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> and I mean, an early torque converter, too, let's be honest. That's not something that's trying to save efficiency. Oh, no. These were known for being, like, shockingly like fuel in, in fuel efficient. Correct. And no so, no lockup, no nothing. So. so, actually, I've been doing research, and the Buick Dynaflow is actually different than the Power Glide with how it works. The so Power Glide uses the two-speed transmission to, like, mm-hmm. be its main way of doing it. Okay. The, uh, the Buick Dynaflow uh, uses the torque converter to actually modulate power and then it actually doesn't shift gears is it a switch you tell pitch? It to. yeah okay i think he told me that yeah it's a switch pitch <clears throat> torque converter it doesn't the valve body is actually manual on it cool so you have drive gear and you have passing gear and the passing gear goes up to 60 miles an hour so that's the low gear goes up to 60 and it's a switch pitch converter so you have first gear is like zero to like 35 and you have 35 to 60 with when you switch the pitch on the converter so you're, with the lever you're controlling is the gear ratio yeah, yeah, the transmission have, yeah, yeah, or the your, converter no you have the no the converter you control with your foot okay and then the gear ratio oh, right, is actually right. the lever okay it's really really interesting so you actually have like super duper smooth acceleration almost feels like a cvt when it's in normal drive mode okay and then you put it in the sport mode Low. Sport mode. Low. Sport mode. Same thing. I figured out exactly where the CVT idea came from, because it was this transmission. <laughs> like, or the, what, the, the Koenigsegg Regera, I think, where it's just a torque converter. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, it, it this is... Because... If, if you have, yeah, torque fill. I've got 430 pound-feet of torque, and it's... What I have is I've got two gear ratios. One keeps me at in torque, and one keeps me in horsepower. Mm-hmm. And I just have an on-off switch, basically. It's If it could keep itself cool, you could just have the cruising mode only, and it would be fine. Actually, it does keep itself... You literally can. It's just that you put it in, like... You put it in passing gear if you're in, like, a two-lane highway, and you're in a passing lane. And that way you can, like, really kick it, like, loose. But, I mean, like, if you put it in passing gear, and you go full throttle from a stop sign, you'll light the tires up. Like, no problem. Ah, 
It's very, very good. Well, that's, I like the, it. that's the beauty of V8s. It's quite a good... It, it, it's This is what people want a CVT transmission to be. You what want it, to be... What as, does the T in CVT stand for? Oh, I guess good point. Hmm. Continuously variable testicles transmission? There you go. Yeah, see, CVT. But um, that's uh, what... Uh, oh God, there goes that Nova again. But anyway... um. Sure, he's a nice enough fellow, but he's reliving his past, which I will do in about forty years. Yes, and we'll be doing that with our weird little cars. Yeah, E30 M3. Woo! But yeah, no, every t- every time I drive a CVT, I'm just gonna think this could be a Dynaflow, and this is just much worse. Yeah, not you can't hold power. It's not reliable. It's not reliable. It's not engaging. Like a Dynaflow is like, you know what the Tesla you like to just like let it do its thing. And I like Tesla, cutting the throttle all the time. But you know, like when you're like going home from work, you just kind of like okay, boom boom. Yeah, and you just, you just like you just throw become, that sucker in autopilot. You become a vegetable. Yes. <clears throat> this transmission lets you do that, but then also goes. Uh, actually, the transmission's like you're gonna need the rest of your mental capacity to stop. Yeah. It's, so it's we like, got this. It's like you know, it's just like actually, I do want to go somewhere abruptly. Mm. And then you just have a button that you press, and you're like, ha-ha, all right, cool, now I can go abruptly. It's wonderful. So the Buick Dynaflow, the perfect cruising transmission. Anyway, I'm going to – I have no segue for this. I'm just going to no, cover it. No, you don't. I totally ruined We're, it. Actually, no your V8s. Your car has a V8. V8s. This is about V8s. And you can talk about the beauty of V8s and how they're quickly going away. Unfortunately, Hyundai Kia is replacing the Tau V8, which has been around since 2007 or eight. Yeah, it's been around forever. It originally came to us as a 4.6 in the Hyundai Genesis. Yes. And more recently, it's evolved into the Genesis brand. They've bored it and stroked it up to 5 liters. Really good engine. Very similar to the Toyota 3GR SE or whatever. The current Toyota yeah. V8. Current Toyota V8. They're all the same crap. Different displacements. But I, I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, the twin turbo they have in the Stinger and the G70 is fine, but it's it's the EcoBoost thing. I mean, you took the V8 out of the F-150 and nobody cared. It's a better engine, but this isn't a big old well, luxury no, sedan. The V6 is not a better engine. And the Ford EcoBoost V6 is not a better engine. That's a, a shit pile of an engine. No, that's pretty good. It is. Pretty catastrophic reliability issues. The early... No, actually, they don't. To date. Uh, no. Uh, trust me, I've... They have, I've worked in a. The every, early ones are water pump prone. Every shop I've worked in has had timing chain issues and turbocharger issues with those. I know. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on maintenance because, like, our company has a lot of them. Yeah. And we have like, But no it, it's a maintenance thing entirely. But well, you're it, given it, a it, your normal truck. But that's the thing is, like, KO3s. <laughs> also, being a maintenance thing is like, yeah, I've got a dumb V8. I just want to put oil in it. Like, now I've got this V6 and I got to worry about things. Uh, yeah, but like the five four wasn't exactly a poster child of reliability. No, no, no. Ford's never been a poster child of reliability. I adding complexity to the engine is not a good idea for uh, good old boys. Yeah, but this is not for good old boys. This is like a luxury vehicle. I don't know. I feel weird about this because the other thing is like when I hear a V six, like all right, they sound really bad. For example, when I see a Maserati Ghibli, mm-hmm. yeah. you hear the V six, you go. Mm. And you hear like a Quattroporte. Oh, that still has one of the best sounding exhaust notes of all time. Exactly. A Quattroporte GTS with the bivalve exhaust. Yes. Oh. It makes a much Nursing better a noise. Semi. It makes a much better noise. That's kind of what I'm talking about. And I feel like when you're buying a luxury car, yeah, part of the is the noise. Like if there wasn't an option at all for... So this is the thing. It's like you have the option of the noise. I'd rather it be a three-cylinder than a V6. Yeah, you're right. Or a 12, or anything other than or, a 6. how about this? How about you make a 3.3 liter V8 twin turbo? You have the technology to make it just as efficient. Yeah, just make it a smaller, more efficient V8. And we've covered this many times before. Like, don't reduce the cylinder count, reduce the displacement. I think that it's a very interesting thing, because I feel like that's something that a lot of manufacturers overlook, is how cylinder count can affect the sound of an engine. Like, that's a very important thing. No, but see, committees have solved that. They pipe in synthetic sound to the cabin. That's true, but what about the... The thing is, is, like, you're not buying this to impress yourself. No. Nobody's buying a luxury car to impress themselves. Mm-mm. You're you're buying to impress somebody you don't know. Right. Like, because yeah. if you're buying just a normal car to impress yourself, you get yourself a Camry. You're yeah. going to be fine. 
And there's something about V8 noise that's just better. Yeah, and like when you have a Halo luxury brand, you need to have a V8 because you need to be able to make that noise. Or a similarly weird off-sounding engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make it a five-cylinder turbo then. Yeah. It's better than a six. That would be better, actually. A five-cylinder turbo would be very cool. Especially but coming from a Korean. I think the other thing... Um, Oh, the fender liner is scraping. I hear that. The R129 has showed up. I hear that. He's um, going to come swap for the Z8, so. Of course he is. Uh, I'm encouraging him to use it. He hasn't driven the damn thing. Yeah, he should enjoy it. Everybody's going to talk to him. Oh, come on. Like, Sorry, i got to put the screen up real quick. Also, right. Otherwise, I'll drive through it? No, but <laughs> I just I need to simplify things for him, because that Mandor over there just doesn't open nicely. Yeah, it's true. That Mandor is horrible. It's pretty well, funny. I've, I've emailed the association three times to fix it, and they haven't. So. But yeah, so, um, and yeah, with V8, it's like, you just, you need it to be there. Right. Like, even if it's like... I agree. I mean, they don't sell these in enough volume where it makes any difference to their bottom yeah, line for like, the CO2 it, stuff. Yeah, like, you just, like, have it exist, like, a very low production thing. Right. It's, it, like, yeah, you have to pay every year to do it, but it's also, it's like, I don't know, you, you sell plenty of Elantras, you're fine. They still make a Viper, okay? Well, they don't. They but don't anymore. They did until recently. Yeah, they, they did until Fiat tried to make a Viper something. It wasn't. Like I said about cars from back to the 50s, stop make, trying to make things, things that they're not. I will say they the tried final make, generation Viper, the fifth gen Viper, is my favorite. They ma- tried to make it something that's not. It's supposed to be a terrible it's vehicle. Yep. I'll put the SL away. <laughs> it's supposed to be a terrible vehicle. And they made it a not terrible vehicle. Yeah, that's true. And that's why I don't like it. That's why nobody bought it. Because you, then you just buy a Corvette. Because a Corvette's totally livable. Viper's yeah. meant to try to kill you and be bad. I do appreciate the, a lot about the Viper. I, I met up with Adam at... Uh, Proving grounds. We talked vipers. Yeah, they're. they're I'm like, I kind of get it. And then there was a second gen uh, viper cart up there too. Somebody cool. a forty five hundred dollar second gen that had been sitting outside with no protection for four and a half years. Oh wow! And they just took the body off of it. Perfect. And it was a second gen, so it was, nobody cared about it. Correct. Even though I much prefer the second to the first. The first gen's the only one I want. I want. I, I want, want it, zip in windows. No, I want an early first gen because they didn't even have door locks. I know, it's perfect. <laughs> you had no door locks, and you had a cassette player from a K car. It literally said Chrysler on it. There was a lot of stuff I didn't notice without like seeing one without a body. Like, the fuel injector setup is really dumb. Like, the Do you, throttle yeah, bodies everything are is, this big. Everything on that car is as dumb as possible. Mm-hmm. That's why I like it. But it's manual only, which is awesome. It's a massive... Oh, that sounds really good. It does sound quite good. <clears throat> but Everyone should go buy a Z8. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... No, it's manual only. It's a it's a dumb vehicle. Like that's how I like it. And like when Fiat tried tried to make the Viper into like almost like a Maserati ish sort of thing. I still really like the fifth gen. It, yeah, but it's not a Viper. You call it something different. But that's the thing is like it's like the Toyota Supra. Don't call it a Supra. It's not a Supra. Call it something else. They'd have to come up with a new brand or something. Just call it something different. Call it the Python. The Black Mambo. Okay, that'd be kind of cool. There's so many different snakes that you could name it after. I'm trying to think of a good snake. They're all terrible. I hate snakes, but... Garden snake. There you go. Garden. The boa constrictor. It's got a tiny throttle body called the, the boa constrictor. The, the boa has two constrictors. Yes. <laughs> like, wow. The boa. Right, that's maybe so many far, like, cool but... names that you could call it that's not the viper. I mean, we've been talking about the death of larger cylinder count stuff for probably since we started the show, like three years ago. Yeah. It's, I'm not against it, but I also feel like with a luxury brand is you need to have... I could tolerate, and I think they could too, like a 1% efficiency change and just make a smaller displacement V8. I, th- I think that a smaller displacement V8 would be the way to go. And also, like, if you made a smaller... If you like, completely redesigned and made a t- very small displacement V8 with like a, uh, like a flat plane mm-hmm. crankshaft in it, like, you, you could easily market that into, like, being, like, a sportier thing. Yeah. Like, it makes exact horsepower. Injection, like, it will make efficiency, too. Yeah, and it's, like, the only people are going to buy it be people who want a V8. Like, it's not, like, for everybody. Like, it's not like this is going to, like, totally screw up your emissions. Yeah, sure. Like, leave this engine in as an option. In the volume, people will buy that. But, like, don't get rid of the V8 for the people that want the V8. Especially when you are up and coming in the luxury brand yeah, this trying is a to bad poach idea. customers. This is a really bad idea. From Mercedes. Like, yeah. yeah, take our V6 Korean car over your V8 Twin Turbo S-Class. Yeah, would you like a uh, Hyundai Entourage engine? Like, no! Like, 
Yeah. No, give me the hot, meaty towel, that old V8 that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Give it, me that one. Yeah, you want that. Like, it's a luxury car. Like, Plus, it's called the Tau. I like that. Yeah, it's cool. Well, all their engines are named after Greek characters. So. Uh, I'm giving you a soft, coy thumbs up. That's irritating. Um, so, I realized that you put in a topic with oh, your shoot. name on it, and yeah, now no. I don't have a topic, and now I'm all No, I, I meant to cover these as wait two. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Oh, 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 this is two. Okay. Well, it's, it's, but anyway. This is a, a, a companion topic, so okay. briefly. Anyway. And it's not confirmed that it's happening to everything yet, but Toyota's ditching their, their V8s as well. Yeah, that's been happening. Which is really sad. Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, keep it around. So the UR engines are going so away. This and is the thing with Toyota. It makes more sense for Toyota to get rid of it because the UR is in everything. I know. But like for Hyundai, it was specifically for their Genesis, Halo car. Yeah. Like they made it for one car. And like, yeah, it's dumb. But you know what? The whole Genesis line is technically dumb. You didn't have to make it, but you chose to make it. That's true. And to your point, yeah. I mean, everything else has gone twin turbo V6 instead of V8. Like the, the ISF, for instance. But, like, the IS500 just came out. That's using a GR. Yeah. Or a 3UR, sorry. So, anyway, like that was just a companion topic telling people that not only is it happening in Korea, but it's happening in Japan as well. So, remember so. when you're talking about Toyota on the mm-hmm. last episode? And you, like, we just about them off the cuff mentioned maybe, like, use, like, the Celica name or something for the four-cylinder Supra. Yeah. Well, there's a reason they didn't do that. Why? Click on that link. They're going to bring it back as either a hydrogen or an EV. Oh, Okay. Is it going to be a rear-wheel drive? Don't know yet. I'd imagine. It better be. It should be. Oh, uh, there we go. Now we're talking. All their best ones are rear-wheel drive. Celica. But, um, yeah, they're going to bring it back, apparently, as a, um, yeah, as a, potentially as an EV, potentially as a hybrid, but, but I mean, they renewed the trademark on it and everything. Toyota was allergic to electrification. So this is the thing, actually. Um... They're not allergic to electrification, but I think that they're putting their time and effort into hydrogen because I think that they're actually going to try and make a play to um, get that niche market. Well, I mean, Honda just abandoned it. They're killing the clarity right now. Yeah, that's true. But um, I think Toyota's... Finally, mercy killing it, by the way. I I think, yeah, really. I think Toyota's going to keep pushing on that because I think that they're going to be able to have a niche market of, like, yeah, we're going to continue to, like, do hydrogen for converting internal combustion engines later Research on. is good, and they have the uh, resources to do it. Yeah, they have the resources to do it now, and they can do it, and nobody else does, and they could be, like, your savior for, like, if you really want your big, dumb, hairy V8. Like, or V12, in my case. Yeah, and you can just convert it over to hydrogen after it's illegal to use petroleum, and it'll sound the exact same. It'll operate, Better power. It'll operate much more cleaner. or less the same. Yeah. yeah, so I, they've they've been experimenting with burnable hydrogen fuels for a long time that require no modification to anything. And so I think that's what Toyota is like doing with their whole hydrogen program. But I think uh, doing it a EV with it would be a great idea because that would be actually a good way to get into the EV market. Is when you get in, make a splash, make it an EV sports car, and they do have the Tesla to, thing. But they, and they can. I mean, remember when they shocked? I mean, they yeah, shocked the, the world the with the Prius. Yeah, kind of beat it to market, but it was it was worse. Yeah, no, it was worse. doing hybrid things, even though it's better because it was manual. Yes, it was objectively a worse vehicle. Right, but like the, you made a you made a livable hybrid. They went from nothing to being a global dominant force. Yes, yeah, no, you're right, and I think that they could easily do that with either of these. And I think that to, when Toyota makes an actual EV, it's not just a compliance EV, mm-hmm. but they actually put effort into being an EV, like with the Celica. If they did it as a sports car, yeah, they would totally start eating Tesla's lunch. If they made a Celica convertible EV. Just That'd saying. be great. It doesn't need to be it. A convertible EV would be perfect. Somebody needs to do it. Yeah. But, I mean, like, even if they just made, like, a competitor to, like, a two-door competitor to, like, a Model 3, maybe in price. Sure. Like, I think that'd be a good idea and just, like, make it a little bit sportier. Especially with tax credits coming back. And I think, like, or you could do, like, that weird, like, kind of Saturn Ion RX-8 thing where you have, like, a like half suicide door in the back behind the coupe oh. door. So it's effectively a coupe, but sure. it's also a sedan as well for people like you that are allergic to coupes for some reason. Well, I, that's a half measure. I'd rather have a two-door than a three-door, but I always prefer well, four doors. I mean, right. but... Clamshells, I'm... Yeah, on. That, that's the thing. It's like... Uh, I don't like half measures. I like to fully measure it. I mean, you've seen my garage. Yeah. You have, it's a lot of two doors. You have an abundance of two doors, but... Um, it's because when I have to buy them, I do. Yeah. So, 
Um, I think they could easily do a, a two-door sporty EV, and that way they're not directly competing with Tesla, but a lot of people do buy Teslas for the performance, and if Toyota can sit there, make a two-door that's sportier feeling and shit on Tesla, like... Do it. Yeah, go for it. Like, the thing is, like, Tesla, they can be a better brand because they... And they choose not to because they don't yeah, have any yeah. competition. They, well, I mean, yeah, it's coming. But, yeah, they've, they've had no competition for so long. Yeah, that they don't. It's like the Ford Model T. Like, and the Model T did not change for 30 years because they didn't need to. Yeah, they had no reason to. Yeah, from, like, 1913 until, like, 1930, they didn't do anything with it. Great. Yeah, so, like, I, that's that's Tesla. Every day that goes by, I like the, and I never really liked it, but I like the company Tesla less and less. Yeah, uh, well, uh, mm-hmm. there's such a necessary evil. I know, and the product is so good, but I just, uh. anyway, the apologists and just like the blind, fervent supporters, I just can't get behind that. But yeah. no, Toyota, I think, yeah, to your point, they have the power to just throw the world on its axis and just do it right. Yeah, I think that when, if Toyota does that with the Celica, again, like I said, with the sports car, right. Like, you could really, really do well. Cause well that's look at all what, the GR product. You know it's possible. Well, that's how Tesla got big. Yeah. It was Tesla didn't come, like, the big thing in Tesla is make it sexy first. Mm-hmm. And then you go there. So And, yeah, now it's an aspirational brand. Yeah, now it's and a it's, sexy thing. Yeah. Like, it, and really, it's not a sexy car. Most of them are very not sexy, yeah. No, they're not really that sexy. They're just, they're cars. They're means of transportation. Uh, yeah, especially when you compare them to non-EVs. But, like, if you think of the, like, what they're known for is, like, well, they got known for doing the Tesla Roadster. And then yep. Which wasn't that great. No, it wasn't, my, my but it was, was, like, cool. was the first one in Minnesota to get one. I still very much enjoyed my time in it. Yeah, it wasn't that great, but it was, like, it was cool because it was an EV that was as good as a Lotus. Mm-hmm. So. Also... Lotus collaboration we totally forgot to talk about last time. Which the one? The Tesla Roadster. It was based off of oh, the Lotus yeah. Elise. Oh, I guess Vauxhall, too. Yeah. Yeah, the VX200 and 220 were on the same Elise platform as the Tesla Roadster. Yeah, there you go. That's something we totally forgot to talk Those about. Those are all good, too. Yeah. Anyway. It, just shows so. to, it goes to show how good that chassis was. You can add 1,000 pounds to it, and it's still good. <laughs> it's still good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. All right, moving on to a non-news topic, but I finally have a manual transmission in my possession for Blubsky. What did you source this from, and how did you do it? Uh, so that's a fun story. I was, for a while, researching this. I was talking to the company I bought the transmission adapter plate kit to. They are English second language people, but they said short shaft Mercedes six speeds found in W202s, 3s, 4s, and some E-classes in Europe. I'm like, okay, cool, we have those. So I was looking up, like, a W203 C230. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this will be perfect. Six-speed, short shaft. Found one in uh, St. Cloud. Perfect. Like, perfect. Nice and cheap. Shipped it down here. Shortly after getting it, I realized that they're the last year of the W203 C230 06. They went to a 2.6-liter V6 instead of the 2.3-liter supercharged four-cylinder. So I bought the wrong transmission, because one year only, they had a different bell housing. <laughs> so now I have to go buy... An 03, which I found one again in St. Cloud. I'm like, crap. <clears throat> but luckily, these are $200 a piece. It's an interesting transmission, though, because a lot of times when I was shopping around, talking to all these salvage yards, I'm like, I need the shifter, too. It's like, I don't know what sort of weird cable linkage it's going to use or some crap like that. But I got this 06 trans, and the rear portion is the same as the early 03 box. So now, now it makes your spare, job easier now. There's that, too. It uses the exact same shifter setup as a BMW. Oh, that's awesome. Like so the Mercedes shifter is really dumb, but like you the have back those of the trans, readily available. I do, so I can just it's a it's clearly made by Getrag. Perfect. Clearly made by Getrag. It's got the same layout, but the Mercedes shifter I looked into and it uses two cables and a big arm on the top instead of just a rod. I'm like, okay, okay. that's I'm glad it didn't come with it now, so I knew this. But yeah, I can I can modify a, a BMW drive shaft to work with it, all this other stuff. So it'll be good. Well, I'm really glad you didn't go with how I was going to persuade you, because I was going to persuade you to do a three on the tree from column shift. I still I have the be... four-speed trans from that car originally. I was like, maybe I can get a bell housing made for that and use That'd the original trans. That would be a four-speed. But it's got, like, the three rods in it, and, like, all the bushings wear out, and it just gets super sloppy. I'm like, I don't want that. That's the thing about three on the trees is there's no bushings or anything. I know, because like, it, it has is... to be a direct rod linkage, otherwise it, it doesn't just work. just a direct rod. It's great. It works perfectly every time. <clears throat> I mean, you got to pump I them full do, of grease. I don't but... get why people don't like three on the tree. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I would love a seven on the tree. I think that'd be great. I, I love column shift. 
I was going to see thing. if I can pull up a, just a quick photo to show you the actual transmission. But the yeah, the last year they went to like a much more rounded bell housing, and I'm just like, dude, nobody told me that. So, oh yeah, look at that. I saw that bell housing. Yeah, it was like ovally. It's no, it's like a perfect circle. Um, but the the C two thirty four cylinder one. I mean, one, like as it's not like squared off or anything. Like they just made it as round as possible. Okay, I don't know what I'm doing wrong to this, but anyway, yeah, it's it's completely round, and the 234 cylinder has a much more conventional inline hmm. bell housing, where it's got a big starter burr on the the one side, and then it's got like the two prominent bolts on and the top right below the cylinder head. Where the hell does the starter go? The starter goes. It's got the dual ears, like a, oh, a okay. V6 or V8, but like this fits every single V6 Mercedes made after 2005. So, so it sounds okay. like it sounds like you need to put a, a V6 into something dumb. I don't, the engine management, I just don't even know. I'm mean, going to have to do standalone. Yeah, something you, know. you can make a manual R-Class. I could. Yeah. I can make a manual R350 with this. You could just... you got to find yourself a really, really, really cheap oh, R350. Man. I mean, I'm going to keep the trans, obviously. Yeah! It was $200, it was $200 delivered $200 after tax. You now have the ability to make something hilarious. And it's all cable. It's entirely cable. So you can totally do it in R-Class. Well, I mean, I would do mechanical linkage. But yeah, the Mercedes linkage, you, you could, could adapt. You could just make a, a much bougier version of my minivan. I could, oh, God, I could. <laughs> you really could. Do it, dude. And, I, and they're so cheap. And the 722.9... If they're not serviced, they do blow up. So that'd be interesting. You could totally do that. You can get like a really oh, cheap R350 that's had the transmission <laughs> grenaded. You don't get a first year, so it doesn't have the timing, timing chain. chain. It you might even be the first two years. You get like a, the latest model you can with a blown up transmission. Oh my god! That'd or be just a great start to make. That would sure. be a really, really great vehicle. But like, there's a ton of stuff. Anything that's a a yeah, 250, but you got a 300, <laughs> a 350, a 450, a 550. And there's so many worse form factors in minivan that are included here. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Nobody, no, the R-Class is a nobody, great vehicle. Nobody has a manual R-Class. No. You could have the only manual R-Class. Can you imagine how much the computer is a freak? It would be hilarious. It would be a great vehicle. No you, more all-wheel drive. You don't need it to be all-wheel drive. No you, more manual. You'd make it better. Uh, oh, it would be so much better. Are you kidding me? A rear-wheel drive a manual rear -wheel R-Class? A rear-wheel drive manual R-Class would be a perfect vehicle. I think you should do that. Maybe in the future someday. I'm sure I'll have this transmission sitting in my garage for like the next 20 years. Yeah, so. you'll have it, you have that for life now. But the beauty is, like I said, it was $200 delivered to my shop yeah, after it tax. Yeah, co it costs so nothing. It's whatever. Free. It's, it's, it's like the carburetor we're about to buy today because I'm sick of dealing with this one. It's just, it's going to be free. Like the most expensive carburetor I'm looking at is like $400. Like, oh, okay. no. That ruined my day. Yeah, I'm like, hmm, okay. I, I, there, there goes my discretionary spending income for like doing stupid things I want to do with this paycheck. Oh my god! I guess I won't build a garden or something. <laughs> like, that's my alternative. Yeah, that's an alternative. Should I do a garden or should I have a carburetor? I, I actually do need to finish building my garden. I'm sick of mowing my lawn, so I'm gonna replace it with plants. So that's fair. Yeah, wilding. Yeah, I'm wilding. Well, because all my other neighbors have done that. Like, I'm like, I'm like, the, like one of three people on my block. Not three. But I'm like, I feel like I'm one of three people on my block that actually has a yard. And I'm like, I don't want this. It's worse for the environment, and it's more labor. This is stupid. And there's like a hundred different breeds of grass in my like the guy. The previous owner just put down random oh. like grass seed. It didn't like match it up. So like. <laughs> Different parts of my lawn grow at completely different rates. Oh, great. Lovely. Yeah. I'm sure that's fun. Oh, it's disgusting looking. It's awful in every way. I, I planted some daisies, and the daisies died during the heat wave. I'm just like, I got these dead daisies here, and I got this like overgrown lawn. It's like all patchy. It's really bad. It sucks. So Anyway, buy a carburetor instead. Yeah, I'm going to buy a carburetor instead of dealing with that. Anyway. Perfect. Um, I want to, speaking of te uh, automotive technology that's just antiquated, uh, carburetors. We have talked about a lot of these things. There's a lot of them that could make comebacks. I was wondering, what is your favorite, like, automotive, antiquated automotive technology that needs to make a, car a comeback? Can I say manual transmission? No. because Clutch type exists. limited slip differentials. Here's a good one. Vacuum operated power windows. I disagree. I like how they operate. I do too, but it's a like, bad idea. I like how fast they go and like totally silently. You don't have to hear them. They just go whoop. And then like they're there. And it's like a guillotine. I just, I can't, I can't agree on that That's one. Fair. That's totally fair. That's a weird one. I'm going with clutch type limited slip differentials though. That is I'm a good one. I'm sick of this brake biasing bullshit. Yeah. Actual limited slip differentials do need to make a comeback. That's um, a very, very good one. Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff. You know what's another good one? Hmm. 
um, designing your valve cover. Like, making it look okay. How about metal valve covers? I don't care if it's plastic. It can be a plastic valve cover. It needs to be designed to be looked at. I think I valve covers need to be metal. They should be metal, but I also am willing to, like... I'm willing to, you know, give and take here. Because I don't want an engine cover. I want to see a valve cover. Yeah. And I would like to see an aesthetically pleasing valve cover. I, I agree. But I think in order to really do that, you do have to make them out of not plastic. Not necessarily. I mean, Subaru makes actually surprisingly good-looking valve covers on the sides of their engine. And they cannot put a plastic cover over it, so they have to design them to look okay. They aren't great-looking, but I mean, like... I guess we have powder coating technology now that can do plastics. Yeah, you can totally do that. You right, can fine. do like a colored plastic or something. Wow, racist. But like you can do like all sorts of cool things. So I was just like when it's back to the fifties, I'm just like, all these valve covers look rad. Like they're all very simple. They're just covering up a rocker arm. That's all they have to do. But like I was looking at like Buick Nailheads. I'm like, this is something that they like if can you look up a Buick Nailhead valve cover? Sure. So I was looking at these and like the stock valve covers are entirely utilitarian. But they look beautiful. Uh, they have, I see a lot thinned. of fend ones. No, they're not fend from the factory. These? Those are factory. Okay. All right, go back. Uh, look up factory. Like... Just type in factory ahead of it. <sighs> so red. You're, you're putting in more effort not typing in factory. Uh... Is, a, is a dipstick technology? They still have just a bunch of fend ones. That's stupid. Look hey. up 1960. Buick 401 nailhead valve cover. That, that's a good way to look at it. But is the internet dead or something? No, no we're good. No, you're just using what? That... The, what the hell is that terrible noise? Um, it is a Cushman Indian trike. Oh, okay, that guy's actually pretty nice. All right, for some reason you're not able to see them, but there's that little one that was in the... there, yeah, right it's... there, with the air cleaner on the engine, right there. That's what they should look like. Bless you. Okay, okay, this one actually loaded properly. So that this is a valve cover that was entirely utilitarian. They did not put much effort into it. But I'm just saying, like, the smallest amount of valve, like, of effort to look at the valve cover. And look at this little shield underneath, too, for the ignition wires. Fun fact, that's actually there because those ignition wires, if they do uh, touch other pieces of metal, that's actually a, um, like, that, that doesn't have any grounding source to it. There's, hmm. like, rubber gaskets on it. And the valve cover, or the spark plugs, will actually short out if they touch metal. It's a weird 50s thing. Is it a positive ground car? No, it, well, they were originally, yes. Huh. But no, they were uh, non-shielded spark plug wires for the longest time. And like when you oh, got the radio, sure. then yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. have a shielded okay. spark plug wire yep. as an option. Oh, my God. It was really weird. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, those valve covers, like, just like a it doesn't need to be, like, super ornate. It doesn't need to be, like, a rover d-series valve cover where it's like a piece of artwork and like belongs in the smithsonian like it could be so simple just like a piece of stamped metal that just like yeah i got a couple little curves here and a couple little curves here and that's it and like it it looks aesthetically pleasing and it should say like dohc on it again that'd be very cool if it said that (laughs) but that four valve but but then you're getting to things actually cost money like that was an example you cast that that into tooling it's fine that was the one where it took zero effort to make that valve cover and it looked great i want dipsticks to come back dipsticks are huge also drain plugs i would love it if they bring drain plugs back what does it have drain plugs? Almost in? every German car is differential or transfer case no more drain plugs how do you you suck it out of the fill plug that's pretty dumb. I hate that. That's really bad. And they need fluid servicing. Oh, boy. So mine are going to be really simple like that, but like I really am I'm a huge fan of clutch-type limited slip differentials. Manual is a given, whatever. But uh, even just like port fuel injection, I understand it's way worse and way less efficient, but the simplicity of it is really nice. You you and I like uh, something that's like totally got away. Hmm. Uh, designed, like aesthetically pleasing analog gauges oh yeah well, analog gauges bring those back well they're there but they just like suck they're going away like if you look at a like 61 chrysler new yorker is it the coolest analog gauge like bezel i've ever seen look at 60s mercedes gauges like this one's even like so i like the bar type one on I those yeah i know i know you hate those i love those that's fine i found one's even more wild so on the late 50s early 60s chrysler mopars all of them really they had a globe 
That's really cool. It was a it was a quarter of a globe, and all of your gauges are in that. So at the like edge of the horizon, you had your speedometer, and then like below the horizon, like physically closer to you, you had two gauges that are for coolant and like fuel or fuel something. or something. <clears throat> And then below that, that was a chair. I below that, you had your amperage and you had your oil pressure okay. below it. And then, like along the bottom, if you had an optional tachometer, you have a tachometer that would go like this. But it would also like do it in like three dimensions. It was so weird. I mean, that's arguably as cool as their older deco gauges. Yeah, it's really, really, yeah, exactly that. But it's like it just like cool things like that. Like just like take some like weird chances on stuff. Well, I like, think they. That's what manufacturers are doing now. I mean, they're taking a weird chance by going full LCD and doing unorthodox and that's shapes. Like, but, like, then you have your cheap car. It sucks. And, like, you know what? You're going to judge on your cheap car. So make your cheap car cool. Like, you don't – it does not take any more effort to put your tachometer in front of your speedometer, like on the Fiat. Oh, yeah. That's like, a great design. Yeah, that, that does not take any extra effort compared to just having – a plain speedometer, plain tachometer. The later Digi Dash 500 suck because it's just like the tack is like this little bar on the side. Oh, that's dumb. I'm like, ugh, that's not good. No, I don't like that. No, the, the Digi Dash 500s are not great. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's like so many analog things. gauges. I'm gonna, I'm gonna you, you can you can that. you can just I think that creative design I think would be a good idea to go with because like you oh. can totally do these things while like because like yeah you know what you do have all these like like rules and regulations they have to get around but you can still design around those right like it's just like it's yeah. i feel like if it's you, a box sure if yeah. you just if you just cop out and just like throw in a like here's your tachometer here's your speedometer over here and it's white lettering on a black gauge <laughs> we read the like we a, read the rules with like a, a white needle and it's like I'm just imagining like a stock, like a base model Mitsubishi Mirage, like instrument <laughs> cluster, or even a Veo instrument cluster of any trim level would be is a perfect example. What about a Daichi Sandero? Sure, that bad. sounds just as bad. That's pretty. Um, it's pretty horrible. Look at those! I'm like, the, you didn't like even try. You totally copped out. You didn't do anything. There's cost like, cutting, and then there's just being dumb. Yeah, it's just being lazy. It's not dumb. It's just laziness. I think it's like hand in hand for me. Like it's not being dumb because it makes sense. Fine, like. But, like, I don't know, I feel like just taking the little bit of effort, it's like, I don't know, it's like playing Halo on hard instead of on medium. Like, it's not that much worse. True. It's not legendary. But, like, you look a lot cooler when you do it. Like, nobody cares that you beat Halo on medium, but if you beat it on legendary or on hard, then you're like, we're talking. Like, I don't care either way, but yes. Yeah, but, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So right. it's, not nothing, it's nothing to brag over if you beat it on medium. So I go easy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing to brag over. Oh, so yeah, anyway. I suck at video games. So. All right. All right. Talking about old technology and new technology. Yes. So Haggerty hired Jason Camisa, who I really like. Um, he's an automotive journalist that's worked at, God, probably every single outlet in California. But right now, like I said, he's employed by Haggerty, and he got an M3 and an M4 press car. The new buck teeth disgustingness cars. Gross. And I found more and more, as you know, I watch everything with subtitles. Mm-hmm. A lot more outlets. Mm-hmm. are having an actual employee write the subtitles, and they're putting a bunch of, like, Easter eggs in there. <laughs> and the whole thing is, like, they didn't mention the looks of the new car at all, but in the subtitles, it was just constantly ripping on it <laughs> over and over and over again. But anyway, this review was, like, old Top Gear quality, like, really good. It mm-hmm. started with the 190 E2.316. It told you everything about it. Then it brought in the E30 M3 to explain why these models came to be. Then they raced a Euro 2 316, and an E30 M3, which they claimed to stock and wasn't, around Roebling Road. The 2.316 Euro was faster than the E30 M3 around the track, both on the same tires, which was fascinating. Hmm. But then they went up to the, the new G chassis M3. I haven't bothered to learn the code because I don't care. And what was interesting is, I'm glad they didn't talk about the looks, they said that the powertrain is obviously incredibly impressive as far as how it delivers power, but they didn't care because it was boring. But they said it was the best chassis in an, uh, in an M3 since the 46, which I thought was fascinating because I didn't really like the E90 or the F80 that, chassis that yeah, much. Yeah, I, I, to me, all right, so you have to understand my entire, like, caring of 3 Series died with the E46. Yeah, and like, it I get that. The, I, I get too. that the E90 is, like, great. But to me, that's like it's a EP, it's yeah. EP3. Yeah. It's like, okay. This is a fatter car. Great. Cool. I like the F80. I'm sure it's wonderful. I don't care. It's, it's, it's a good car. But, yeah, like the E46, it's like, damn. 
Like I like Mr. I like Mr. Wags because it's like oh, he's a good boy. It's a manual rear wheel drive wagon. It that could be literally anything. I would like it for the same reason. Even Tucker likes that thing. I like that car in the same way, like Volvo two forty. I like it because of what it is. I don't particularly have any great affinity. Like it's not, it, like it, there's you some cars. One, but you there's some it. cars where if I see an automatic version, I will still get excited. That's not a car where I'll still get excited. Nope. I get excited. Same thing with the X-Drive badge. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it's the fact that it's a manual rear-wheel drive wagon. It's that. If it was a manual rear-wheel drive sedan, I don't care. Sorry, Cord. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt yeah. will sleep at night. It'll be fine. If it was an automatic rear-wheel drive wagon, if it was a manual all-wheel drive. drive wagon, if it was any other variation of that, I don't care. Right. It's just that. Yep. But, yeah. Anyway. No, I, and that's – I'm just looking at it from the perspective of, like – it's the last, I, I know, I, I'm so burnt out like every other person who talks or writes about cars. Like, it's the last of its type or whatever. Like, sure, it's the last combustion M3 we'll ever get, but, like, who cares? I'm like, sure, it's a great chassis, but who cares? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's offered with a manual. I actually really like that. But as long as they come out with an aftermarket bumper at some point, like a stock non-competition M3 sedan manual is still going to be a great car to live with. But you, there are so many qualifiers to that. You could go get something else that's just ready to go. Can you um, type in 1974 Pontiac GTO? Specifically, GTO. it has to be a 1974 GTO. All right. This is the last oh, car. Man. This is the last production vehicle with a functional air, uh, hood scoop. Do you care about that? Not really. Okay. There you go. Just because it's the last of something doesn't mean it's important. It's also the cheapest GTO I can get. That's actually my favorite GTO. But um, it's the same argument with just because it's rare doesn't mean it's good or valuable necessarily. Yeah. I also happen to like this because I genuinely like that body style. And it looks small because it's from the it 70s. It is small, yeah. Actually, because they made this smaller. Um, but yeah, it's like the last production car with the hood scoop. But okay. Like, even me saying that as a, somebody that likes that car cool. is like, it's the last car with a production hood scoop. Well, it's like, hey, right. this is my 1994 Jeep Wagoneer. It's the last car sold in the United States with a carburetor. Okay. Cool. Uh, it's not that good. No. There's a reason it was the last. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm not going to lie. The hood scoop actually made a massive difference in performance. But anyway. We're <laughs> talking a malaise American car. I have no doubt that it made a significant difference. It was like a 20 horsepower difference. And like a car is not 130 horsepower normally. Uh, having 150 is very noticeable. Oh so yeah, it's actually a noticeable difference. <laughs> oh my god. But I, I, I really, I, like, I applaud BMW only for putting a manual in it. The rest of it I just don't care. But I'm coming back to the film because it was so well produced. Yeah. And it touched on so much of like the heritage of the car it was like he made the most of talking about something that nobody cares about it, top gear was very good at doing that but this yeah. is haggerty yeah i know it's the same thing though but i mean like i know what you mean we're a very well produced thing well, it will make me care about it I and that's the actually thing even that, I that, the that is actually the key to good automotive journalism is if you if it makes you care enough to watch the whole thing yeah like that's important Yep. Like, and they and they did that. Anybody can write facts about a car, but making somebody actually read the thing or watch the thing is mm-hmm. actually more important. Because there's a reason I don't watch Doug DeMiro. Because it does I will not, say does not intrigue me. No, God, no. Yeah, that's just how it's delivered. I'm like the facts. Like if I just read the script along with the videography, I might actually be interested. Mm. Maybe, but the toothpaste and the uh, Maserati Ghibli door panel gap, that was still pretty good. Uh, the One other thing I want to say about this, he claimed the E30 M3 was stock. It wasn't. It was lowered, and they were running into bump stop issues on the track because of it. And he said that the 190 E2.316 was stock, and he's not wrong, but it's a Euro import car, which has 40 more horsepower than the American one. Perfect. So you don't need to talk about that. Just want to get that out of the way. You don't, you don't need to talk about that. It's fine. Just... I love the 2.316. I do. It's a great car. I, I think anybody that talks about 2.316, even if it is one, I don't give a shit if it's got no, a turbo the, on it. The American you one. Just, you, you lie to people. You tell them how freaking awesome that car is because that car needs all the clout in the world they can get because nobody respects that car enough. Well, the E30 M3, uh, yeah. The E30 M3 is a better car, but I, the yeah, 190 okay. is cooler. Yeah, it's a great car. But that's the thing is like, Nobody gives the Corolla FX16 the time of day because it's not a CRX. Correct. But you know what? Is the Corolla FX16? It slaps. It's such a great <laughs> car. Like if you have three thousand dollars and you're looking 
for a 90s hatchback and you're not getting FX-16? You're a fucking idiot. Like, what are you doing? Buy that car. Like, it's such a good car. It's so amazing. Well, nobody cares because it's not oh. a CRX. And oh, it's so, so good. good. Oh, man. But, like, that's exactly what the 190 2.36. It's a Corolla FX-16. It's such – it's just – underrated in every way. Although and they're getting expensive now, so people there, figured it there's out. There's no reason on earth that a 192.316 should be a penny less than a E30 M3. They should be dollar for dollar the exact same car. Like, they are that good together. And you get the 2.316 because you need a sedan. Like, you need a oh, sedan. Yeah. It's the only reason you get the 2.316. is because you add the two doors to kill her. That's the only reason mm-hmm. that, like, it. that's the only thing you should change because they're both perfect. They're absolutely wonderful cars. The and one, I, I had a 2.316, and it was a great car. They're great. And they, yeah, they're just like, they're absolutely underrated, and they're, they're, it's, a, it's a crime that they're not worth as much as they should be. Yet. Yet. They are rapidly you appreciating. absolutely buy one right now. If you can find one for reasonable money, yeah, yeah. So, um, speaking of buying cars. Okay. Um, I was talking in my happy hour meeting with uh, a coworker. Okay. And here is actually a very good car buying advice segment. Which we will debate about. Yes. <clears throat> Buyer is looking for a replacement for a Mark Six GTI. Manual, five-door, three-door? Manual. I don't know if it's a three-door or a five-door. But it is a manual. It has okay. to be a manual. Good. They got it for really cheap, and they've... It's not been, why. Yeah, it's not been cheap for them. Um so thank you TSI. Basically, the pre the prerequisites are it needs to be a manual. It's going to be daily driven. Okay. So it has to be re- at least more reliable than a GTI. Shouldn't take much. Okay. Relatively fuel efficient. Okay. And most importantly, has to be as fun as a GTI. What's which, the budget? So he's open. Let's say that you you can afford things. Not new, but it has to be used. But Vel- you can Veloster probably and CPO. Ooh, that's a good one of lost your end. Did not think about that. Those would are, that, would that be as good. reliable? Uh, it can't be any worse. No, that, the engine's been around for a long time. And right. those, were, those were manual only at that time. So uh, Yeah, that couldn't possibly. Those are real good. That's a very good option, <clears throat> actually. Uh, I, as always, said, well, if you're not looking at Mitsubishi Mirage, you should. Okay. Well, well, yeah, yes. I, I don't. Everybody should. I don't but. have a, a gut feeling of like what this person's actually going to buy. Because, like, let's be honest, you're not cross shopping a Mirage with anything, right? <laughs> yeah, you, pretty you're much. Yeah. That <laughs> you're just buying a Mirage. You're just buying. That's <laughs> your vehicle you're looking at. Is a Mirage. Um, I did like Kua's Mirage. Up I PG. did uh, actually say a Mazda three, yeah. not a Mazda Speed, but a Mazda three two five. I, or a 2.3, it doesn't matter. I mean, both of no, them are good. A newer one. A 2.5 is going to have way more horsepower. I think that an older 2.3, the difference in price kind of makes it up. The person's sort of mechanically inclined. They don't have a garage, so they do have a drive and live in California. It, the, oh, that's another thing. They live in California. I kind of figured, because yeah. you were recommending a Mazda. Yeah, and that Rust. is the killer's Ross. Yeah. yeah, but like you can get... I've looked at this because I recommend this a lot, but a Grand Touring 2.5 newer body style Mazda 3, you can get them for like 16, 17 grand. Even now. Very good car. Yeah, With very, a very good car. Very good car. As I say, a 2.3, a 2.3 costs you five grand for the best one in the world. But the interior is not going to be up to what he's used to on a VW. That's true. It's going to be a lot more reliable and everything's going to be much cheaper to maintain. Sure. And if you want to... his budget. Yeah, and, like, if you really want to, like, save some money on that, like, you get that car, and you just go to Racing Beat, you get some Racing Beat soy bars, and you have a great car. Yep. And it's going to be a blast. It's going to be free to maintain. It's going to be a free car. That's what it's going to be. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So, I would say... Monster 3 is a good car. If he didn't live in California, I would say a 2.3, because they're just so cheap to maintain. However, yeah, the 2.5 is really... That's your power play. Um, I don't know what a used Veloster N CPO is going to go for. Uh, it's probably in the low to mid twenties. You know, another good one actually hmm. is a Focus ST. Yeah, but horrible interior ergonomics. I'd and say Fiesta tr- ST over that. Yeah, Fiesta ST, but uh, getting a little small. Yeah. So I'd say a Focus or a Fiesta ST. Um, but with the caveat that those have atrocious rear visibility. But they're also real cheap. They've real been cheap. around a lot longer. Really cheap. Atrocious rear visibility. Yep. Um, 
yeah. awful interior ergonomics because interior is designed to look ergonomic but not be ergonomic. And those are the two O's are reliable engine. So yeah, that's a good call. I think that that'd be an argument. So I'd say might be it, happy medium. If you're if the Mazda three doesn't keep up no, for your expectations for interior quality, for interior or if quality. the Veloster is too expensive, get a yeah. Focus ST. Or if you just couldn't find a Veloster, oh, you'll and, be able to find those. But I think like just because the Fiesta C is readily there, you know, Focus, Focus Fiesta, same thing. A Ford ST hatchback, yeah, a ST hatchback. You'll find them anywhere. They're yeah. so readily available compared to everything else. That is a belly button of a car. So, such a good car. <laughs> Get one of those three. I think the, the, that's Mazda your Mazda 3 or the manual. Don't care if it's 2325 or a Velociraptor if you can afford it. Otherwise, get a happy medium Focus ST or Fiesta ST. Yep. I think I think that the Veloster is a good decision. But, again, that's a really good car. It's a really good car. It's a really good I'm actually going to message him after after we're done here. And, like, actually, and you can get that awesome blue. It's a good blue. Me, that's like the best. How blue. much are they? We got? I, I don't know. Let's, let's, you know what? Yeah, we let's, have the let's, internet. Yeah, we have the internet here. Let's see Veloster how much. Veloster uh, N. Okay. That's not what I wanted at all. Veloster N for sale. Do, 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 do. Wow. Can I mention that I really hate trying to find? You also use the worst internet browser for finding things. I don't know what I'm using. None available. Okay. <laughs> this is kind of why I said Fiesta uh, Focus ST. No, nah, I think this is a website problem. How much are they? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just trying to find local ones for me. I don't care. Oh, my God. Just go True Car. Go on True Car. Oh, here we go. There we go. So you're on True Car. 26. What? Okay, so like 26 to 30. It's going to be a little more, I think. So I think... Premium high end would be a Veloster N. You can go by price. I know. I'm just kind of seeing what the the mean is. The means the, the means like twenty eight, twenty nine. But yeah, there's twenty six right here. Just get, go get this. If you can afford it, if not, it's ten grand cheaper for a Mazda three two five. It's like twenty grand cheaper for a two three, or it's ten grand cheaper for an ST. I would go ten grand cheaper and get an ST. I think I probably honest. would I th- too. I think that'd be it. But I think you should drive one of these. Yeah, no, those are quite good. Um, it's if like you have thirty thousand dollars to if you have thirty thousand dollars to spend on a car, Veloster in. But um, if you don't have thirty thousand dollars, you're closer to twenty thousand dollars. You have the you pick. I mean, do you have? Do you want just all out handling and not able to go up a hill very and, and accelerate, or do you want to be able to like just overpower yourself through a hill and possibly <laughs> like fling yourself off a canyon? With well, the and that's going to be something that he's going to have to decide. So. Yeah, so I, I think having those two options is good. And then if you want cheap, like if you really just need bottom of the barrel, Mazda 3. Like, that is... I still would really push for the 2.5 just because it is yeah. a much nicer... That that newer generation car is significantly much better. more worked much, out. Much better, but... yeah. Also, why I'm not saying the Mazda Speed 3 is oh, they God. have worse interiors. Zoom, zoom, boom. And also, every single one has been put away wet for its entire life. Like they are, and hidden issues galore. They Mazda Speed Three is one second. About a, a clean one of those <laughs> in the future. A Ma, yeah, a clean. I've never <laughs> seen a clean one. No, Mazda Speed Sixes sometimes survived, not threes. Yeah, and with threes, it's like they were. I can't think of a car that's more beat up consistently than that. I think that might be the most consistently beat up car. Like a Subaru WRX is like the equivalent for how clapped out they always are. Because you never yeah. find them with a clean tire. Or a 350Z. Well, you can find automatic 350s sold by grandmas. I guess. But like a WRX, is just every single one's been destroyed. True. And every single Mazda Speed 3 has been destroyed. So you just get a normal Mazda 3 and you're fine. So it looks like even a fairly high mileage Focus ST first year is still like 15 grand. God, that's so a good deal. I think I'd go with the 2.5 Mazda 3 Touring over that at the same price. Even though it's not as hot. It's a much nicer car to live with. I think that that's going to be closer to a GTI. Oh, it's way closer to a GTI. Yeah, a Focus ST. Is, it's a good car. But the thing is, you have to be seen a Ford. But if he's dailing like... it and he cares about keeping it relatively longish termish, and you want to... I mean, let's be honest. That, the other, this the car thing is 100,000 more miles on you, it than you that also, This is another thing I just thought about, is you have to be seen in a Ford. You have to say, I drive a Ford Focus. I would get a Veloster in. Because everyone likes those. Yeah, nobody nobody dislikes the Veloster in. However, everyone, nobody's going to notice you in a Mazda 3, but nobody hates them. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's camouflage. Like, 
you can get a V6 Camry and mm-hmm. nobody will see you breaking the speed limit. You can go 100 miles an hour and nobody will care. As long as you don't kick it down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> nobody's going to notice that your V6 Camry is, like, blasting on the highway at twice the speed of the rest of traffic because it's a Camry. It'll Hearing like, intake honk out of a V6 Japanese sedan or minivan is strange. It is very strange. Like somebody's booting that thing. <laughs> They must be in danger. So I think that's... Our t- Actually, our top tip should be just to get a Sienna. No! <laughs> I mean, I'm all for getting a minivan, but not in this case. But Especially if it lives why? in California. It's too big. Uh, okay. What's in the air right now? Both of us yeah. are itching our noses like crazy. My allergies have been killing me for the last month. I'm so going to go get a Veloster. And I'm going to go with the Mazda. So there we go. Right. Top tip. There you go. All right. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.